What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. This is episode 223 here, and I just want to say Merry Christmas. This episode will be dropping on Christmas Day, which is why I'm going to say that, but also Happy Holidays uh, to all of our friends and fans who celebrate different things, and Happy New Year's just, you know, ahead of time before I forget as well, you know. At this point, you would have been listening to a couple top five episodes and whatnot. Uh, This episode really is just kind of a little bit of a recap for this 2022 Colorado high school football season here. Uh, It was a really good one. You know, it's our second straight year covering the season in full from beginning to end here that means going to regular season games going to playoff games going to the state championship games in person technically we did start off in 2020 we followed the state championship games but you know we weren't really allowed uh to go i mean not many people were and so this is technically the end of our second season and there are a lot of great moments we wanted to make this episode to remember some of the best moments from this season here myself Cody and Gideon have a top five list and some honorable mentions of sorts that we want to talk about here. I'll be talking about Gideon's um, and then I'll be talking about mine and then you should be hearing from Cody here in a little bit talking about his list. And so I guess the criteria for these, I mean, for the most part, these are games slash moments that, you know, we were either watching online, which I there, there aren't many. There might be one or two or you know, this might be a game or moment that we were at in person. Most of these will be things that we witnessed in person on the sidelines or in the stands, depending on where we wanted to be for that game. And so, yeah, let's just go ahead and get into it here. Let's go ahead and start with mine. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I gave <laughs> I gave us the option to choose between making a top 10 and a top 5 list. I think most of us chose to go with top 5. Originally, mine was going to be a top 10, but then I narrowed it down to 5. And so I'm going to talk about the honorable mentions first before we get to the top 5. And these are in no particular order. But for me, uh, let's just go ahead and start with this game. Palmer Ridge versus Vista Ridge. It was the last regular season game that I went to, I believe, at Vista Ridge the previous year. Palm Ridge kind of blew out Vista Ridge, which I didn't, that was kind of surprising at the time. And so going into this year, wasn't super sure what to expect, uh, except for the fact that it would be closer. And this was a very close game here. I mean, first things first, this Palm Ridge defense, their pass defense, uh, was really good. It was definitely one of the stronger parts of the squad. I mean, you have two 6'2 plus, 6'3 plus safeties. So that's really hard. Who could also cover a man? And then you have two very good corners in uh, KJ Smedley and Casey Fackrell. Uh, also believe Chris Rice was playing a little bit of corner as well, and he's like 6'2". And so you got some pretty good, you know, secondary guys going against, obviously, this Vista Ridge team with four-star quarterback Braden Dorman, arguably the best quarterback of all time, the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, he was on 
I mean, he was on a tear leading up to this point, on point to go ahead and break a couple records, or at least etch his name in the record books, which he did, you know, and so that was going to be a big deal there. And then you had two great receivers, and Brandon B.B. Hills, a speedster, uh, committed to Washington State. I actually just went to uh, his signing day along with Dormans a couple days ago, so that was really nice there. Uh, but, you know, he is a great athlete going D1. Then you also have Keyshawn Dooley. He's a real underrated receiver, in my opinion, uh, but a fantastic football player as well. JoJo Garnett, you had a lot of guys on this Vista Ridge team, and so this was going to be the battle of the Ridge here, and it was a very close one. At one point, it looked like Vista Ridge was going to pull away. They just got a pick six. It was in the third quarter. Uh, Palmer Ridge was kind of struggling to pass the ball too here, so there was that, but eventually they would find a way to get it done primarily through the run here Derek Hester would break off like a huge 30 plus yard run I always remember that um partially because I was trying to record it and I was caught in a weird spot uh transitioning so there was that and then I caught two of the Gator Robinson touchdowns uh that were real smooth great blocking I mean he did a good job there and so uh and that would also help them win the game and that was huge it was a great atmosphere for our last regular season game so there you go I'm always gonna remember that one uh, another speaking of ones that I'll remember is the Eden versus Delta 2a state championship game um, first things first if you follow this podcast you know the connection that I have personally with Eden I student taught there uh, on the elementary and high school level and so a lot of the football players that have won that have been a part of this dynasty Eden has had over there that has won three state championships in a row were all kids that I taught you know before covid pre-covid uh and i guess you know during covid as well in 2020 a uh, lot of guys like tanner true uh he's over at shadron state right now his brother Ryder true was a captain on this team that won the third state championship as a linebacker uh walker martin i don't think i personally taught him but i knew friends of mine in college that did so there's that same with morgan trebet there uh shout out my guys broken bar um a lot of guys a lot of guys to shout out that i got to teach over at eden uh and it was a real honor just seeing these kids you know just succeed year by year and so eden will always have you know a, a spot in my heart you know just because i have a big connection with all those kids there and i mean you know good football is good football too and they played arguably their toughest opponent in delta and they won you know Delta I felt like could have probably called a better game I really would have loved to see them trust their quarterback Ty uh, Reed here a lot more than they did but you know unfortunately that's something they're going to learn from and uh, you know take into next year and I'm hoping to see Delta make a return to state going to next year as well but that was a very great game and you know just real sentimental seeing all my guys succeed shout out Gunner Clary as well he's going to be an upcoming guy for them for Eden and uh, yeah so there you go but kept it out of my top five though and then another one that I really like staying uh, here kind of on the lower classifications. I, I don't want to really call it that. But 3A football, Green Mountain versus Evergreen here. Tommy Paholski and Russ Woodward of Evergreen. And then Green Mountain, you had all those guys who were returning from last year. They lost to Fort Morgan in the playoffs. And so Green Mountain was going to be a real powerful team 
going into this playoffs. But basically, this game would be for League. I mean, both teams would have to play Littleton, uh, who was on a tear at the moment. But I kind of felt like both of them would beat Littleton. So there you go there. But Green Mountain versus Evergreen here. This was an instant classic. Uh... First things first, a lot of mistakes at the beginning. A lot of special teams mistakes. I'm talking dropped punts, fumbles, you know, bad blocking, bad penalties. A lot of that stuff, you know, it was a real messy game. But near the end, it definitely got really good. Obviously, this game would uh, start out tied or it would end tied. Uh, I'm going to say that. I believe it was either... I think it was Green Mountain. They had a chance to win it at the end of regulation, kick a field goal there. Uh, they put together a really good drive to do that. It was just a little bit too far. They just barely missed. And so this one went into overtime here. Green Mountain and Evergreen would both score uh, eventually. There were some pretty, pretty close calls for both teams, I want to say here. But this game would ultimately go into double overtime where Green Mountain would get the dub. They'd obviously run it in for a touchdown. And then on fourth down, Tommy Poholski, I always remember this because he ran towards our sideline. Um, but he would stretch out for the end zone, but just get tackled just a little bit, like a yard or two short of it. And that's how Green Mountain won. And that would basically win their league. So that was a huge one there. Now, another game, another moment. I only got two more uh, before I get to my top five here. Uh, just want to throw that out there. But another moment I really like was Pine Creek versus Vista Ridge here. Uh, this is a growing rivalry. I wouldn't... I don't know. I, I have trouble calling it a rivalry because Vista Ridge hasn't beat them in X amount of years. Uh, even with Braden Dorman. Uh, Braden Dorman, I don't believe, has ever beat them. And so, we'll see. But... In terms of players and programs, uh, this is definitely an upcoming rivalry here. And so going into this one, you know, there were a couple of questions. Uh, Vist or Braden Dorman, sorry, didn't exactly play great against them last year. Made kind of some uh, boneheaded mistakes and uh, it was just real uncharacteristic. And so going into this game, uh, the big one was just saying like, all right, you know, if Dorman plays a clean game, which we expect him to do, can everyone else stand up and do their thing? And, you know, he did play a clean game. He did what he could. There were some really good moments. There was one moment where he reached for, uh, I think he was scrambling and he got like flip or he, I think he hurdled a player. Sorry, he didn't get flipped. He hurdled a player and then he got hit really late here. I mean, this was a real chippy game. There were things on both sides that I was like, yeah, that's definitely a penalty, but the refs just didn't call it, or they were too iffy about it, in my opinions, and should have made a quicker decision, and so this was a real chippy game, a hard-hitting game, uh, did go back and forth for a little bit, but eventually Pine Creek would pull away here, for now, I would say, you know, uh, this was a really good moment just because I uh, love seeing the intensity down here in the Springs between these two programs. I think these two programs will continue to battle it out. But, you know, for now, it also showed that Pine Creek is still that top dog here in the Springs, I would say, for now. You know, we'll, we don't know what's going to happen here in the next five to ten years. You could guess, you could predict, 
but that gap is going to be closing um, hopefully here soon. If not, then Pine Creek is just going to continue to run things. But still, you know, never a bad thing to see uh, the number one quarterback in the state go up against one of the best defenses in the state. This secondary for Pine Creek was really special with Ramon Pacheco and Justice Nicholson too. Uh, still is. They're coming back next year. So yeah. And then last but not least, my last honorable mention was the bell game between uh, Pueblo East and Pueblo South here. Uh, sorry, not the bell game, the cannon game. And this was something that I really enjoyed going to. First off, love the vibes. Uh, this was a packed stadium at Dutch Clark, which is probably the biggest Colorado high school football stadium um, in the state right now. And it was really cool, you know, seeing it mostly packed. There were great vibes. A lot of people were there. The banners, the history behind it as well. We watched that Two Rivers documentary. Shout out to FanView um, for inviting us out to that. And so we knew, I well, I knew the history to this thing. And I knew how serious it was for these two programs to be playing each other. And going into this game, I mean, that was, that, that really built up this moment, you know, I would say. That would really build up this moment because honestly, Pueblo South kind of had a down year here. I mean, they had some skill guys, which, you know, were fine, had some linemen, but at the end of the day, it was still a down year for South. For Pueblo East, they were kind of a younger team. I mean, they lost a solid amount of guys last year, but they kept a good core led by their quarterback, Zayden Stevens, and they really got going here. Pueblo East was rolling and i mean rolling in this game they could do no wrong really it honestly honestly looked like that east was about to put 50 on south going into halftime because that's how bad it was plus the you know whoever was snapping the ball for south um like long snapping i mean just couldn't get a good snap like literally had five horrible snaps in a row which basically led to like three or four Pueblo East scores in a row and so because of that uh not being the best game it's definitely an honorable mention but infamously you know right before halftime this was a game where a big brawl you know broke out and they got into a fight and it was crazy and it was probably the worst officiated I'm, I'm gonna call out the refs again and the security for this again because it was definitely like the worst officiated game um not because of anything that happened before before this but what happened uh during this bro and after it i think they just took too long to get control here it looked like multiple times the fight was over and then it will flare up again because someone didn't grab their guy and then you know there's the whole thing where they just canceled the game at halftime which you know i think is bs you know i think it's stupid um you gotta be tough enough as a ref to just you know suck it up and keep it going and trust your ability to control the game because that's what you get paid to do and um they obviously didn't trust their themselves to do that or you know maybe they just felt maliciously about it which there wasn't anything really leading up to this fight honestly there really wasn't there was maybe some I'm, crap talking uh i would say that but there there's no extra shoving there were no like hits really i mean i'm I don't know, you know, I, I always remember that as the game that the refs blew. I felt like this was a game that could have went on and whatnot. Uh, and I think it just got blown out of proportion, to be honest with you. Uh, and I, look, this is going to be a real infamous opinion here. But, you know, I didn't mind the fight. It shows that you care. There's plenty of football programs in Colorado that don't care, you know, that uh, don't care enough. 
in my opinion, and don't have the passion that these boys do. And so I can respect it, but, you know, with that comes consequences, and they got consequences. So, there you go, but definitely a moment worth remembering. And then, uh, yeah, uh, actually, that's it. That's all of my honorable mentions here. <sighs> let's go ahead and get to my top five. Okay, let's get into it. At number five, my fifth best moment of this 2022 Colorado high school football season had to be the 1A state championship game between Lyman and Ray. I am going to call this the return of Title Town. Title Town being Lyman here. Uh, just setting the stage here, I mean, Lyman, uh, they were on pace to breaking, I mean, they have been breaking records, but winning a straight state championship last year, they had a chance to do that against Centauri. Unfortunately, came up short, you know, and so going into this season, they made it back to state despite losing a very talented senior group there uh, that won them like three or so state championships. And that was a big deal for them to make it back to state. We weren't sure if they would make it back to state in the preseason, but... You know, after watching them and seeing how they performed and whatnot, they proved us wrong. I mean, well, they, yeah, they proved us wrong and they really reassured us that they would be just fine going into state here. And they were, but, you know, there was also a team in Ray who kind of has been on that cusp here for the last couple of years. You know, they were a team that I uh, know Cody has picked multiple times to go to state last year. I don't believe they were able to make it. But going into this year, I mean, they had all the pieces. They had Tell Wade, a Wyoming D1 commit at defensive end. They had Casey Midcap, who was a freshman of the year candidate, newcomer of the year candidate for us from last year. He's a sophomore now. You know, they had uh, all these other athletes, Chris Arambula, um, Samuel Meisner. I mean, this was a very talented Ray group here. Don't get it twisted. You know, extremely talented group. And so this was truly probably the best of the best going at it here in the 1A state title. Ray, I mean, they took a pretty good lead here. Uh, a lot of momentum. There was also a point in this game where the quarterbacks of these teams, Casey Midcap and Rockwell, I want to say here. Yes, uh, traded really long touchdown passes, like 40-plus yard touchdown passes leading into halftime. And so that was huge. Uh, I always remember Tell Wade. He was extremely destructive for Ray in this game. He did his thing there. He put it all on the line, honestly, in that game. Uh, really showed that he was a D1 guy by doing that because this... Lyman offensive line, I mean, they're massive. Got to, well, got to meet them in the preseason, but also got to meet them after the game. I mean, there's some big boys over there, you know, some big boys that would bully, like, higher classification linemen easily for a lot of teams, for at least 90% of the teams out there. And so for Way to do what he did against these great linemen uh, was definitely special. But at the end of the day, it came down to the 1A 2022 MVP as voted on by you, the people, and me, Cody Gideon, and I believe Anthony Garcia. But it was Gabe Schubarth, the senior running back, the sledgehammer. Uh, he really closed this game 
for Lyman here. He went on a tear. Three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And, you know, he's not the fastest guy, not the most agile guy, but he's a strong dude. And over time, if we just keep handing him the ball, he's going to continue to hammer the defense. This is a big guy at running back running it. And he got it done for Lyman when it mattered and gave them their... I want to say 21st state championship, uh, which is huge. That's a Colorado high school football high right there. Uh, I mean, it would have been regardless. So that was big time. He really showed up here in the fourth quarter and closed this game for Lyman. I also want to give credit to the Lyman coaches who coached a really good game, made the adjustments they needed at halftime, calmed down their boys, kept them uh, pretty even keeled here throughout the entire game. And, you know, that's championship football there. There's none of this complaining like, oh, it's the refs or it's they're just better than us because there's a lot of programs in Colorado that be like that. Uh, they buckle down and they win. That's what they do. And for them to do that with another group here, a different group from the one they had the last three or four years uh, is special. You know, it's definitely special. It's a testament to the Lyman legacy, to these coaches and all that great stuff. And so um, that's always going to be a big moment for me here. And so that's a top five moment for me from this last 2022 Colorado high school football season. So yeah, now number four would have to be this Thunder Ridge versus Mountain Vista game here in the regular season uh i want to say this was mountain vista's homecoming could be wrong but regardless a rivalry game here in highlands ranch you had austin modrzewski the sophomore standout and his talented group of receivers sean conway uh Ja'Kai mack japri jennings uh also shout out to this defense as well carter daniels one of the best linebackers in the entire state he was doing his thing um the running backs did a solid job as well jack blaze really stood out to me in this game you know this was a very talented mountain vista team versus a pretty equally talented uh, probably even better well definitely better uh thunder ridge team you know who had a bunch of different athletes uh all over the field you know you obviously have richard okuno cj reese uh zach smith at tight end cole hanchett at running back you have Caden shouse as well who's a beast off the edge uh you have caleb keith a great safety linebacker makes i want to say at least in this game i mean you had a lot of dudes now i will note this uh the freshman standout dj bordeaux did not play at quarterback they were still rocking with the senior cooper here which this game was uh, definitely an issue here as mountain vista went up 21 to 0 really fast uh, no fault to, you know, the defense or anything like that, but Coop, he had some bad plays that gave Manson Vista great positioning, and, you know, this, uh, Thunder Ridge offense was struggling to get going and whatnot, just running the ball, because that's really all they did, uh, up until this point, and, you know, Manson Vista, they just went up 21-0 to real quick. Also, by the way, this was a pretty rainy game as well. It was pretty relaxed i would say to start the game but by the second or third mountain vista touchdown was definitely raining in the entire second half it was pouring like crazy and so you gotta keep that in mind it was like definitely raining uh hard in this one but thunder ridge somehow found a way to come back and win this one here uh, and they only got like one turnover too and they didn't even score off of that turnover it was a pick and 
uh, they would stall out. So there you go. But, you know, this Thunder Ridge team, I mean, they got it done multiple ways here. Uh, they did get a touchdown, I want to say, right before halftime. And it was just basically CJ Reese going crazy in one-on-one, -on -one, you know, catching these contested catches over the middle. And then eventually that touchdown as well that would get Thunder Ridge going here. You know, those are big those are big points to get before half and so a lot of credit to the coaching staff for drawing that up uh because i believe that was the only passing touchdown they had this entire game so there you go there and then a lot of credit to cole hanget who just really popped off here in the second half made some big runs scored a lot of touchdowns uh gave thunder ridge some great positioning and you know they were able to climb out of this deficit here and uh you know what it's really funny because they also had a chance to i want i want to say they had a chance to win it um with a field goal in the fourth quarter here and it was kind of funny because at halftime uh i want to say mountain vista brought out you know their little halftime show and it was cool and whatnot but this thunder ridge kicker was literally just out here by himself with the t kicking in the rain like right in the middle of the performance did not leave at all like they literally came onto the field uh for this halftime show performed the entire thing and then left and bro was out there kicking the entire time and i remember like videotaping this thing videotaping what am i recording this thing on my phone like any normal gen z kid and being like oh my god if this kicker kicks the game winning field goal it's gonna be epic and so here we are in the fourth quarter it is pouring it is extremely hard to kick it here i mean it is pouring really hard uh, so I, I'm, I was just wondering like how that footing was down on the field. Cause it couldn't have been good to be honest with you, but here he goes. He lines up, uh, after mountain Vista called their timeout to ice the kicker and all that great stuff. He kicks it and it comes up a little bit short here. And so here we go into overtime. Uh, I want to say Thunder Ridge would score first, like on the first or second play. And so that kind of put the pressure on Mountain Vista, and Mountain Vista <laughs> had to use all four downs. But on fourth down, Austin Modrzewski rolling out right, finds his guy right. That was big time. Ice in his veins to go ahead and tie this thing up and set it to double overtime here. Unfortunately, though, he was not able or they were not able to get it done here. Some missed opportunities. Uh, like I said, it's pouring really hard here. And so just real hard to, you know, catch the football and, you know, throw it with accuracy here in the red zone. And so there is a lot of that. But, you know, Mountain Vista, they would kick a field goal. It'd be good. And then that really just set up for Thunder Ridge to just run it up the middle. And I believe Will Fisher would get that touchdown to win the game. And so that was huge. Obviously, it's not every day you see like a 21-point comeback like that. Uh, but it's even rarer to see that happen without, you know, turnovers. Without scoring off of turnovers and stuff like that. It wasn't like Mountain Vista turned over the ball a lot or stalled out a lot. It was just, you know, Thunder Ridge. Part of the reason why they won is because they got lucky and they got stops when it mattered. And so that was a big-time game there. Um, easily the best comeback win of the entire season, I would say. Easily. So there you go. That is moment number four here. Let's talk about moment number three. Our moment number three was in the playoffs. Uh, won a matchup between Colorado Springs Christian and Yuma to set the stage here. Colorado Springs Christian coming off of an upset against Buena Vista where they had to go to Buena Vista. You know, that's a talented squad here. And they beat him. 
in in BV, which was huge. And so they got to host a playoff game for the first time in a while, I want to say. And it was against a human team that was real tough, that played great defense, that ran the ball pretty well here. And so Yuma would actually go up by, not by a lot, but like, you know, by two scores here. And uh, Colorado Springs Christian had a little bit of a slow time getting back into this thing. But they really dominated the second half here. You know, they had a couple great touchdowns. Jace Velasquez played his best game of the season and honestly the best game i've ever seen a quarterback play this season i'm very comfortable in saying that because he played a near perfect game made all the right decisions uh you know didn't force too much in the first half when things weren't going for them and whatnot he did what he had to do to win this game and i mean he ended with like 300 plus passing yards like three or four plus touchdowns i believe he only had one interception or something like that but he played oh and plus the rest touchdown but he played extremely well and for a sophomore to do this in the playoffs against a team like Yuma which is like a perennial playoff team and contender it feels like every year that's big time you know and obviously you're at home and whatnot that's great but you know he still found a way to get it done I was really impressed by how sharp he played but also I mean he really just did such a good job just spreading out the ball here getting it to Casey Oric, Taylor McLeod uh all of his guys out there you know they run the spread too and so there are plenty of playmakers I always remember this one play where you know he'll drop back and he threw like a 50 uh it might have been a little bit more maybe a 60 or 70 yard bomb here uh to i want to say mcleod it was in the second half and he just threw a perfect ball in stride he caught it and it went for a big time touchdown that would really cut into this yuma lead here and so I mean, he just really stepped up and played well, and everyone played really well. But in the fourth quarter, Colorado Springs Christian, they would eventually take the slight lead here. Coming back from down two or three scores, mind you, earlier in this game. And I'll always remember this. Yuma, they tried to drop back and throw it. And they had a couple. I mean, they had a, I believe they had one touchdown pass earlier on. So it wasn't like, you know, they just didn't know how to pass it at all. But it's not really what they did. And so when they dropped their quarterback back to, uh, you know, throw the football and uh, get them back into it. Because they only needed a touchdown, a score, to win this game. It felt like every play in this fourth quarter when they needed it most. Colorado Springs Christians, Nate Tonneson. By the way, your 1A defensive playmaker of the year as voted by myself, Cody Gideon, and you, the people, and Anthony Garcia. Uh, but anyways, Nate Tonneson, he came up huge, like sack after sack, tackle for loss after tackle for loss, uh, pressure after pressure. He was unstoppable. You know, when they passed it, he would get a sack or he'd get a pressure. You know, when they ran the ball, they wouldn't get outside of him and go for a loss. Or even when they ran it up the middle, I mean, the defensive tackles did a good job, but he would get there for that TFL. I mean, he was all over the place, and he closed. I mean, I remember that last offensive play for Yuma. They dropped back their quarterback to throw it, and Tonneson came up with a huge sack here to win this one and so Colorado Springs Christian would actually get a big time upset against Yuma uh, second game in a row and I always remember the crowd was chanting we believe throughout the entire fourth quarter really I would say the entire second half 
they did that, you know. They, there were some at the beginning in the first half, but Yuma took that lead, and so they quieted up a little bit here. But they really got going in that second half there, and I'll always remember that. I'll always remember, you know, the heroics of Jace Velasquez, this young quarterback, just playing an excellent game, making all the throws. Like, I'm not talking about, like, oh, he threw a hitch route here. Do a slight, like, because that's what a lot of Colorado quarterbacks do. I mean, you know, this guy's throwing deep out routes. He's throwing timing routes. He's throwing deep post routes. I mean, comebacks. He was doing it all. Running and escaping the pressure and stepping up. I mean, he did it all, and he looked really good in this game. Easily the best quarterback performance of the season against a very good team uh, as well. Arguably a better team. So, there you go. But... Definitely always going to remember that one. Colorado Springs Christian would go on to the next round. They would eventually lose to the, uh, you know, eventual state champs and Lyman. But still got it done, you know. And so love to see that. Also, this crowd was amazing uh, for this Colorado Springs Christian team uh, over at UCCS. And, Yuma, you know, they showed up as well. There were a lot more people uh, that showed up all the way up north from Yuma than I thought there would be. But love to see it. See it. I mean, 1A football, there's a lot of passion there. Arguably more passion than the 4A and 5A levels, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I'm not afraid to say that. Whatever. So there you go. But let's go on to number two here. We got Wiggins versus Strasburg. Still 1A football. Uh, this was actually on my birthday, September 2nd. I'm going to dub this one the long night because this one, <laughs> golly... On this day, I, I think some of you Colorado high school football fans remember this specific Friday night. Uh, but there were like lightning storms literally all the way down I-25 from the north leading into Denver. The only place where I don't think there were any lightning storms uh, was southern Colorado. But other than that, from the north all the way through Denver, there were a bunch of lightning delays all over. You know, and so here in Strasburg, about an hour away, hour east of Denver, there were definitely some lightning delays. There were actually two, you know, um, but first things first, let's just talk about this one. I mean, this was a star-studded 1A football game. Uh, at Strasburg, you obviously have Landon Martin, a quarterback playing well up to this point. Uh, he's only a junior, and so that was really good to see him uh, and all these guys. we got to interview them before the season, so check out that interview. Um, those interviews are on YouTube, by the way, so there you go. But Landon Martin was there, Zach Marrero, a fantastic running back DB and wrestler, too. You had Caleb Hart, Al Dickens. I mean, this was a very good Strasburg team, but on the opposing side, they got the guys, too. They got a great quarterback in Cole Kerr, who was an award winner last year for us. Uh, they had a tough run. Running back in Julio Flores, Omar Perez. This line was really good as well here. I'm talking Laith Ibrahim, Pepper Rusher, uh, who I believe was our reigning defensive playmaker of the year from 1A last year. I mean, this was a great group. Also, Dalton Reisner was at this game. Uh, shout out to our PMC fam, obviously a supporter of the podcast here. And so this was huge. You know, this was going to be a big game. And these two teams had a lot of respect for each other. But they also wanted to whoop the heck out of each other. And that's kind of how this game started here. Um, well... Kinda here. Let me let me start at the beginning. At the beginning, uh, Strasburg took a pretty good lead here. Uh, actually, was pretty much running away with this thing going into the fourth quarter. They're up, you know, a solid 14 to zero, up by two scores in the fourth before that first lightning delay, and that happened with like 
I don't know, like eight minutes, seven minutes left in the fourth. And so that happened, you know, but up until this point, Strasburg was really dominating. Um, they were playing good, really good defense on Wiggins here. I mean, in the trenches, this is probably the nastiest matchup I've ever seen watching Colorado high school football. Because, you know, you'll see some guys who are big and they'll block and be physical. And that's great. You know, that's great. But across the board, I'm talking these five offensive linemen versus the opposing four defensive linemen. The battling was nasty, dude. I mean, they were hitting each other. There was some real aggressive hand fighting. I mean, this was a battle in the trenches. Basically, every single play for both teams here. And it was nasty fighting. I mean, they were going at it. Like, from whistle to whistle. No extracurriculars, really. But they were really battling. And I've never seen that level of intensity on any football field to be honest with you here in Colorado and so that was huge like they were going to war for sure and so love to see that but then the first line delay hit me and Cody you know went back to the car chilled for a minute we were like okay uh are we gonna go back is are they gonna cancel it reschedule because it was like at least an hour and then it became an hour 30, and then it started creeping on an hour 40-ish. And then we looked back at the stadium, because we weren't parked too far away. Stadium field, it's really just the field, <laughs> to be honest with you. But we looked back at the field here, and they're playing, and the lights are still on. And we're like, oh, okay, let's go back. Let's go watch. And so we watch it, um, but it's definitely, like, raining, and the weather's not great. But what happens is that Wiggins starts to mount a comeback here. I believe they uh, return, well, sorry, they rush a touchdown. And so that makes it a one-score game with about four-ish, five-ish minutes left in this game. And then they would go ahead and block a punt here, which was just not, just weird. I don't know. It was kind of a weird play here. Uh, it looked like that Landon Martin was going to kick it or something crazy like that. Um, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong, though. But regardless, it was just not a great-looking punt formation. And so Wiggins blocks that. And not only do they block it, but Pepper Rusher picks up this thing. This is a lineman, uh, by the way, 6'3", 250. And he goes ahead and returns it 30 yards to the house. And that's how Wiggins ties this game here. And basically, after that, nothing happens. I mean, it's a tied game. And so they finish out the game here. You kind of see the lightning in the, you know, in the back kind of creeping back up. And so they go ahead and call another delay because this time it's windy and raining and the lightning is definitely really close here. And so they call a delay right before overtime. And so this time we're walking back. Uh, but, you know, shout out to Strasbourg and their hospitality here. They invite us into their gym so that we don't have to walk all the way back to our car here. And so we show there, you know, and uh, it's kind of crazy because we were like at the entrance of this gym and you could hear the Strasbourg locker room, you know, and it's hard not to like you know eavesdrop just a little bit because it's not like anybody else is saying anything we're there with a couple parents and whatnot but they're definitely eavesdropping too sorry <laughs> but they definitely are uh and you know all i i'll always remember this but all i hear is zach marrero getting fired up in the locker room and i'm talking fired up bro is like yelling saying like hey it's not going our way but who cares we're gonna go back out there we're gonna win it when it's time and like he's like getting fired up 
and he's like real excited about this thing and i'm like golly bro's going crazy i don't know if it's because he maybe might have seen us walking in but he was already in the locker room at this point or not or whatever but bro was going crazy so shout out to zach morero here just being a dang leader and doing his thing and keeping them locked in because this was a real long night and so eventually you know the delay ends the lightning is gone and it's like 11 20 at night <laughs> Jeez, this game kicked off at like 7 or something like that. And so it's like 11.20, almost 11.30 at night here. And so here we go. We got overtime. The weather has like chilled out by a lot here. It's pretty calm, to be honest with you. Uh, they trade a couple of scores here. Uh, but eventually it requires another, I believe it, requ it requires double overtime. And so here in double overtime, Landon Martin, I'll remember, I'll always remember this. He stepped up big time and he would roll out, throw that touchdown pass to go ahead and give them the lead here. And then I believe uh, they would go for a two here and it was a pass and he would go ahead and pass it to his guy to get that two point lead or sorry, two point conversion, eight point lead. And so wiggins they would not only have to score a touchdown but they would also have to get the two-point conversion here and so what would happen is that i believe they would eventually score the touchdown but they would not be able to get the two-point conversion uh just great defense honestly by this jasper team here who had to have been exhausted at this point and so boom it ends in double overtime jasper gets a big tackle for a loss here and uh they win it at home at winter field in double ot it's like 11 40 almost like 11 50 at night not quite midnight um but it's real late here and so it was real crazy but this was a great atmosphere a lot of the uh people i would say a good chunk of the people stayed you know to watch this for strasburg which was real special here i mean this was a real long night um hence why i call it the long night here and I mean, it was wet, people were tired, it was windy, and whatnot, all that great stuff that we love about Colorado high school football, especially out in those plains, and they found a way to get it done, and I remember them singing their little fight song, and then uh, saying hi to our Strasburg boys, and oh, Cody, I want to say said, uh, I want to say he went over to the Wiggins side and said hi to some of those guys over there, uh, but it was a good deal, man, I mean, they have a lot of respect for each other, both of these teams played extremely hard, you know, just battling uh, to the end there. And I mean, they were battling for every inch of that football field up front. It was wild, but I love to see it. That's aggressive football. That's intense football. Shoot, that's Colorado football. So there you go. That's my number two moment, almost number one. And I think maybe there's some recency bias here, uh, but, you know, my number one moment here of this 2022 Colorado football season had to be the 3A state championship game between Roosevelt and Lutheran here. I dubbed this one Rough Riders, Let's Ride. Uh, this was a great game. I mean, both of these teams were, uh, first off, teams that I predicted to go to state last year, and then that didn't happen at all. Neither state, neither team made it. They were both knocked out in the semis, one game short here. But here we go. You know, they're both at state, and, you know, I love 3A football. I think there's some of the best coaching on this level, some of the best talent, and that's across the board. It's not like four or five teams dominating. It's like 
you know, hey, 10 teams here, the top 10 teams, and three are all contenders. They could all win state. They could all go to state. Then after that, you have a bunch of playoff teams that could potentially make a run as well. We saw that with Fort Morgan last year. And so going into this game, you know, this was definitely the best of the best in my opinion here. And, you know, Lutheran, they got out to a pretty uh, good I mean, pretty good start, honestly. I believe they went up by two scores to start here, um, up 14-0. to zero, And they were just dominating. I mean, Roosevelt was kind of having a rough game, making a lot of mistakes. They had a punt. Uh, well, it wasn't a punt because the snap went over Tucker Peterson's head. And he had to track this down. But, you know, Lutheran would eventually tackle him. And so they would start in the red zone instead of 50 yards downfield. So there's that. There are a lot of bad penalties and whatnot. But Roosevelt, I mean, credit to Lane Wassinger here, uh, their head coach. Great guy, by the way. But he found a way to keep Roosevelt in it, despite everything going wrong. And literally everything was going wrong. Oh, yeah, Bronco Hartson threw that pick six to make it 14-0 to in the first quarter. Everything was going Lutheran's way, but Roosevelt found a way to ride out the rough times here. They would get a touchdown near the end of this second, or sorry, of this first half here. Um, first off, that was set up by Tucker Peterson on a reverse play, taking it like, it seemed like 60 yards for a 20-yard gain here, making a third and 20 play, a fourth and one play, which would, you know, eventually set up a Roosevelt first down after that, and then Hartson would go ahead and find his guy downfield on a Hail Mary pass, which you know went for 40-ish yards and then eventually find Tucker Peterson again for a touchdown that sequence of events is iconic I'm gonna be real with you so that was definitely huge and then in the second half I mean Lutheran they just kind of struggled to run the football Roosevelt's defense played well here Xavier Ramirez he was handed off the ball a lot uh, and he carried uh, in the second half for Roosevelt. He scored a lot of touchdowns, did his thing, got a lot of first downs. And so that was definitely huge for them. While, you know, Lutheran, they would get a touchdown here. They made a interesting coaching change, putting Chase Sorensen in at quarterback instead of Riken Doggard. And they basically ran read option with Chase for an entire drive. And that would kind of boost, you know, inject some life into this Lutheran team for a little bit. But, you know, it was kind of inevitable here. Roosevelt, uh, they made play after big play here. Uh, there was at one point they put in a freshman at running back to relieve Xavier Ramirez and Ryan Doucette just a little bit because uh, I believe there were some injury issues there. And he made some big plays, including a play on third down where Bronco Hartson rolls out. He would find this freshman, and he made a couple people miss, and it went for a big 40-50 yard gain, which would set up another X touchdown by uh, X being Xavier Ramirez. So there you go, and that would basically put this thing away. Well, not quite. Lutheran, you know, up until this point, they I mean, they were only down 10 to 0 with like a minute 40 left and Lutheran was actually the only team that I have ever seen complete multiple onside kicks in a game. I got to watch them against Pueblo East and they recovered like four onside kicks and it's not luck. It was definitely skill because they were perfect kicks by their kicker over there and that was insane and so i knew if there's any team in the state one through 5a really six man through 5a that could pull off an onside kick it would be lutheran and so if they scored a touchdown uh they would have a chance to kick that onside kick and eventually take the lead and with the spread offense they already run you know they were in a good spot to do it so being up by 10 wasn't quite 
you know, game uh, yet. But, you know, they would take a shot downfield here. And it wasn't even a bad throw by Riken Doggart here. It was just an excellent play by Tucker Peterson, uh, who just undercut this thing, played it like a receiver, and caught this interception that would seal this game. And, you know, this is why it's one of my favorite memories. First off, you know, we followed Roosevelt for a minute. There are a lot of guys on this team that have followed the podcast for years now. Anthony Munoz, Tucker Peterson. And so we've basically followed their high school football careers. And, you know, Tucker... This is a guy that me and Cody have literally seen, you know, just dominate season after season. He's had four different quarterbacks, and he is the all-time receiving touchdowns leader here in Colorado high school football history. The first one to ever catch over 50 touchdowns in his entire career. Not even Christian McCaffrey did that. And so, you know, he's arguably the greatest Colorado high school football receiver of all time, statistically, I would say. And being able to do that with four quarterbacks and being able to do that with Bronco Hartson here, a younger quarterback, uh, is huge. On top of that, bro is just a good guy. You know, just a great guy. Real nice dude. Does a lot for his community. Arguably the most out of any player in this entire state. And so I was super happy for him. I was super happy for Lane Wassinger as well. He's a great coach. Somebody that we've talked to. He's always been friendly and whatnot. Uh, and so, I mean, this is a great Roosevelt football program. And, you know, honestly, it meant a lot that they won it against a great Lutheran football program who will be back. You know, it's obviously a heartbreaking loss. I mean, it was their first state championship appearance and whatnot, I'll say that. But they'll be back, and, you know, it means something to win a game against an equal opponent. And I felt like Lutheran was an equal opponent, a quality opponent, um, if any. And, you know, they, they just came up a little bit short. You know, but that's what makes this game special. Two great opponents, two great coaching staffs. Because uh, I really felt like these coaching staffs, I mean, they had to go to war against each other just like these players too. And so strategically, it was probably the best coach game I've seen all year long between keeping these kids level-headed and taking advantage of certain things and making gutsy calls here. They did their thing. So shout out to Coach Robbins of Lutheran, their head coach, and Coach Wassinger of roosevelt a lot of respect for them and uh, that's why that's one of my best moments just a lot of great players on both sides that i have a lot of respect for along with the coaching staffs and i mean this was a very dramatic game uh but it was a good one so really happy about that also shout out to my homegirl Allie garrett so there you go who watched this game with me um but yeah that was my best moment from this 2022 colorado high school football season Alright, now let's go ahead and talk about some of Gideon's best moments here. Uh, let's start with the honorable mentions here. So he had a couple. Also, he approached this a little bit differently, which I like as well. But he said Wyatt Woods is uh Wyatt Woods, sorry, blocking a punt with his cast, because he had a cast on his arm against Flatirons in the Highland versus Flatirons Academy game. That was a big one there uh, for him. Jacob Flores' game-sealing interception with a minute 30 seconds left um, within the 10 to win over Greeley Central in that battle for Greeley game or that West versus Central game. That was a big one. I was there with him. Um, that was huge, too. That was a great pick there. 
Cole Kerr's 41-yard pass to Omar Perez for a touchdown, followed by the Julio Flores two-point conversion in that Wiggins versus Platte Valley game. That was a game where Wiggins just whooped on Platte Valley, despite Wiggins being a 1A program and Platte Valley being a 2A program. And so that was a big one. That really showed off the firepower of that Wiggins team there. Then uh, another one, Gail Garcia's ta- uh, sorry, Gail Garcia tackling a receiver so that the game time conversion went out at the 1 in that Longmont versus Monarch game. That was a classic game as well. Then last but not least, he said Christian uh, Godbrick Sanders' first career sack against Prospect Ridge Academy in that PRA versus Manitou Springs game. And sorry, that wasn't the last one. This is the last one, and it was Blake Purchase's touchdown against Valor Christian to secure the lead in the 5A state championship um, between Cherry Creek and Valor. Obviously, that would give Cherry Creek another state championship. Also, shout out to our guy Blake Purchase, PMC fan. He is officially signed with Oregon. Uh, so super happy for him. They're getting a great player who might even get some playing time sooner than later. So uh, there you go there. But let's go ahead and go down the line here. Gideon made a top 10 here. A little top 10 list. And so we'll talk about all 10. Uh, and I'm just going to read what he put down. But at the top, he said, this year was full of so many incredible moments that it's truly impossible to pick my 10 favorite. However, that is exactly what I am going to do here. And so at number 10 is 10th best moment from this 2022 Colorado high school football season was Jordan Neeson's third interception against Castleview to seal the game in that Pooter versus Castleview game. Um, fun fact, that was on the same night as the Strasburg versus Wiggins game and the lightning storm started up north and so that game was delayed a ton. Uh, I want to say it started just a little bit before our game and he got done the same time we did <laughs> oh my god he got done actually later before after we did i would say he got done after we did and so that game ended near midnight uh which was insane and he insisted on staying and so i really want to shout out gideon for that that's dedication you know i some of y'all don't know some of the work we put into this thing but he stayed throughout the entire game and that ended up being a good one where pooter um got a pretty big win against castleview at the time it was viewed as an upset so there you go at number nine though his ninth best moment was austin martinez's performance against delta in the state championship uh that two-way state championship i believe austin martinez caught a touchdown and he also caught two interceptions, either one or two interceptions in that game. Uh, regardless, he was part of a great Eden uh, defense and specifically secondary uh, that dominated their way to state and winning their third straight state title. And that's against a team in Delta that passes the ball pretty well with a guy in Ty Reed. And so Austin Martinez is definitely a next level player. Now, at number eight, he said Jacob Kucharski's, I want to say that's how you say it, suplex sack against Valor at State. Uh, that's the 5A state championship there. That was a big one. I mean, that was a real aggressive state championship game. Definitely a closer one than the last couple years. 
Then at seven, you have Case. He has Casey Fackrell's game winning interception against a Vista Ridge. Uh, I have the clip, and by the way, we'll be posting clips and stuff on our TikTok and YouTube. Um, well, in the form of YouTube shorts and stuff. If you want to check out these moments, you can find them there. But that was a big one. Vista Ridge, I believe, was down. Dormant, it kind of looked like was trying to escape the pocket and throw it because if he took a tackle or took a sack there, it would have been a safety. And it went out of bounds, technically, but Casey made an excellent toe-tap interception that would seal that game and send Palmer Ridge to the semifinals against Loveland. So, there you go. Then, at number six here... I think he decided last minute that he wanted this uh, play or this moment on this because it was also on the honorable mentions list. But he has, it's actually Jacob Flores' game-sealing interception with a minute 30 seconds left on the 10-yard line um, to win that rivalry game against Greeley Central in that Greeley West versus Greeley Central game. And so that was his sixth-best moment from the season. Uh, that was an intense game, very hard-hitting game back and forth maybe not the cleanest but definitely a lot of passion there and so there you go that's at number six for Gideon at number five here his fifth best moment from the season was Cola Crew throwing the ball in the air on the final play of the state championship followed by going to his dad's season ticket uh, seats there uh, well, him and his dad season ticket seats in that Broomfield versus Loveland for a state championship game. In case y'all don't know the story with that, Cola Crew unfortunately lost his pops a couple of years ago. And so basically, almost his entire Colorado high school football career has been dedicated to his dad. And obviously moving forward, it will be as well. But for him to win that uh, was huge, you know, it was definitely an emotional moment for all of us. We've been rocking with Cole, um, but me and Cody specifically for years now since his sophomore year. Gideon just, you know, joined the staff this year, but, you know, he obviously has a lot of respect and love for Cole LaCrue as well. And, I mean, that was definitely a big emotional moment. I mean, for him to make it to the top and win state and, you know, go back to where him and his family had some great memories in that Bronco Stadium, that is movie-worthy. I would watch that movie. I think we all would. Um, we did these last couple of years, which is so surreal. But there you go. That's at number five. Oh, man, I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Let's move on here. All right, at number four, Henry Jones' forced safety, followed by Chase Thomas returning the kickoff for a 73-yard touchdown in that Windsor versus Bear Creek game. Uh, I heard that was a really good game to be at. Two programs, by the way, who respect us a lot and does a lot for us. And uh, we respect them as well and love to support them any way we can. So there you go there. Uh, big time plays by Windsor in that one. All right. Uh, at number three. He has Tell Wade's destroying of his mark to get a sack at the 1A state championship between Ray and Lyman. Uh, that was a big one right before half. I'll always remember this one too. But it was right before half. Tell Wade comes off the edge, uh, beats his guy, just 
absolutely obliterates the running back who unfortunately had to block him there. And then he goes ahead and he lays out the quarterback who just got blindsided. And fortunately, Jordan Rockwell did not fumble the football there. He held on to it somehow. But it was a nasty hit. One of the best all season. So that's very deserving of that number three spot here. But at number two, he has Vince Hawkalter scoring. Um, he has Vince Hawkalter scoring Timnath's first touchdown in 60 years in that Timnath versus Wellington game. Obviously, well, in that game, both teams were, you know, first-year programs. Timnath, they did have a football team many, many, many uh, years ago, obviously, as you could uh, hear here um, many decades ago. And so for Vince to score that first touchdown is huge. You know, it officially marks the return of that Timnath program, I would say. So there you go. But at number one, the best moment for Gideon from this 2022 Colorado high school football season was Kyan Bunker blocking a Valley field goal attempt, which Logan Moore returned for a touchdown and a 35 to 34 win in that Manitou Springs versus Valley game. That's big time. You know, any game winning play is going to be up there. On top of that, uh, Gideon is a Manning Two Springs alumni. And so that is his number one moment. So there you go. Um, the first things first, before we move on here, big shout out to Gideon. He's a guy that we brought on as an intern, but has shown this entire season that he is more than capable of being more than that. I mean, he's still going to be an intern. I mean, none of us really get paid, but he's going to do his thing and uh, hopefully get bigger roles and go to bigger games this next season as well here. Um, but just shout out to Gideon. He's done a lot for us this last 2022 Colorado High School football season. Season. So, boom, there you go. Those are his top 10 moments and honorable mentions. All right, and with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and throw it to Cody, who's going to talk about his top moments from this season. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a fun little idea episode for Playmakers Corner here. You may have heard some moments, but, you know, I'm going to talk about my top 10 moments, and I'm just going to go week by week here. So, not in any particular nostalgia order here. But, you know, just kind of week by week throughout the season, what stuck out to me. Obviously, I skipped some weeks because, you know, I have 10 moments and the season is longer than 10 weeks. But let's go ahead and talk about it. And the opening of the season here, there were some good ones. Obviously, Joseph Capra's legendary opening against Skyline was something special here. But for my number 10, my first week memory here moment is Regis Jesuit beating Valor Christian for the first time in years in overtime. And you know, I think that the background is very important in a lot of these here. Look, Regis hadn't beat Valor since like 2010, and they jumped out to a lead in this game only for Valor to come back, tie it up, and force overtime. Lots of panic over on the sidelines here, lots of panic in the stands at Valor here, but I was on the Regis side, and you know, they were on the edge of their seats holding their breath through overtime as the Raider defense stood tough and forced a missed field goal. And then, with the offense, Xander Carroll does a three-step drop and fires it to Grayson McPherson for the walk-off touchdown at Valor Christian High School. And in return, the fans storm the field here. And yeah, just epic moment with the fans storming the field. Regis getting, you know, this like eagle off their back, essentially 
that, you know, can they beat Valor? Will they beat Valor? They proved to themselves, at least early in this season, that they had the potential to beat Valor. Xander Carroll playing a huge role down the stretch in this game to give Regis chances here. You know, I look, if it went the other way, then I would have said, you know, Valor's blocked field goal to end regulation was the, you know, top moment of this game. But no, the Regis Jesuit team stands tough. They break a really long set of years losing to Valor Christian. And Xander Carroll has one of his most quintessential throws of the entire season. And Grayson McPherson probably has his best play through that point in his career as a sophomore. He'll be returning as a junior next year. Xander Carroll will be going on to play some college ball, assumingly. And yeah, no, Regis Jesuit, there is really high hopes for this squad. And I was really high on them following that win in week one, an upset win on the road at Valor in overtime. Definitely one of the top moments of the season. The next top moment does not occur for a few weeks here, but boy, is it sweet. After a change of plans where we couldn't quite uh, get to the game that we were initially planning to go to, we decided to travel up north, Coach V and I, and watch Broomfield and Erie at Broomfield. Now, the background for this one, as I said, background being important to me in these moments, is that Cola Crew originally was at Erie, but then went to Broomfield, and there was some bad blood here between Cole and the Tigers here. Now, last year was supposed to, well, allegedly supposed to be the revenge game for Cola Crew, but Erie absolutely stomped Broomfield last year. But this was a change of fate. This was a change of the guard here. These two teams, it's starting to become one of my more favorite rivalries up north, especially for teams out of league. But, you know, this year, Broomfield and Cole Crew gets their revenge. Broomfield, as a, as a team, as a high school, gets revenge for last year. But Cole Crew gets revenge on a team that he really felt, you know, he should be the guy for but instead had to play against, you know, another three-star quarterback in Blake Barnett. And Cola Crew shined bright in this revenge game with four rushing touchdowns, including the only touchdown in the final frame that ended up being the backbreaker here as the Broomfield Eagles would go on to beat Broomfield 35-14. to Obviously, this was a team win. There was lots of great performances. Mikhail Benner had a really good game. This Broomfield defense was absolutely I mean, poaching this Erie Tigers offense here, slowing them down. But Cole LaCrue and how fired up he was. He was getting the crowd into it. He was rooting on his defense to keep stomping on Erie. And yeah, no, that that was a tone-setting win for Broomfield, I think, for the rest of the season. It was something that their momentum carried them forward. And, you know, it was something that I think gives them a boost as they go on through the season and through the postseason as well. But enough on that there. This next moment, I think it's a very weird moment here, considering, you know, that we don't end up hearing from this team again, you know, up in the postseason. But I think for a program's first year in 3A, jumping up as the last seed in 2A last year, I'm talking about Northfield here. One of the craziest moments was, you know, Northfield, they come out, they beat Aurora Central first week, 24 to zero. 
a 4A team that we were pretty high on. They beat Riverdale Ridge 27 to 11. And then they get to play, you know, at DPS here. And they go against Denver North here. And Northfield, they are the new kids on the block in 3A here. But they do not care. I go to see this game. Both these teams come in undefeated at 2-0, I believe. But Northfield absolutely waxes the Vikings here, showing that the Nighthawks are no joke here on the 3A level. I'm talking specifically the moment with Mark Cox's forced, first forced fumble and Mark Cox just going ballistic as this Nighthawk defense was just playing extremely fast and violent in a day where they forced five turnovers and routinely scored off of them. Between Mark Cox and this defense, absolutely going crazy. I also got to shout out Amarian Richardson's four-touchdown game that included long runs, one of the most beautiful over-the-shoulder catches that I had seen this season. This guy's a running back, by the way. One of the most beautiful over-the-shoulder catches. And then the kickoff return to start the second half to absolutely snuff out any chance of Denver North coming back in this game. Northfield setting the tone not only against Denver North, but as a program here in their first season of 3A, this would allow them to start off 3-0. Now, they would narrowly miss the playoffs as they went 6-4 the rest of the season with some struggles in a really, really tough league. But I still think it is worth mentioning that, you know, Northfield, this was a team that I predicted. I projected to do a lot worse than they did, but, you know, they came in composed this season. They weren't afraid of the 3A or even 4A competition that they scheduled and I I really appreciate everything that they were able to do um, um, this season so now moving on to my next moment here this is going to be over I'm gonna have uh, mild overlaps occasionally with some of our other uh, co-hosts but you know there were some very magical moments here and I think that the Green Mountain versus Evergreen game was absolutely insane I loved watching this game. I was on the edge of my seat, uh, partially to avoid listening to some fan chatter, but mostly because this was just such a fantastic football game by both these teams. Look, Green Mountain, heading into half, was down 17-6, to and they would rattle off 11 points, including a field goal in the fourth quarter, to force overtime. Now, in the first overtime, this had me on the edge of my seat. We were on the far side here. And, you know, Evergreen comes out and they don't quite score here. But, you know, Green Mountain, they try a field goal on the goal line and they miss. So not only do we get a single overtime, we go into double overtime here. We flip sides to the other side of the field. And, you know, the Green Mountain lanes that were opening to start that drive from the 10, they were pounding the rock. They were opening up highways for these running backs to drive trucks on. And eventually they score and they get a PAT to go up 24 to 17. But it's the Rams defense here that keeps this story so fantastic. Look, Evergreen, they score a touchdown here. It is 23 to 24. And Evergreen, which I agree with this coaching decision, calls a two-point attempt. Now, Green Mountain and Evergreen, there's not really anybody else in this league that is going to step up for the division crown here, for the league crown. And Green Mountain and Evergreen know that. And so all the chips are on the table. They're all in for this conference championship. It comes down to this one play. And Evergreen 
rolls out right, and the Rams just lock up all of the wide receivers here. And then Tommy Boholski, one of the best quarterbacks in the state, takes off and races for the pylon. But the Rams linebackers, safeties, corners, ends, everyone, this entire pack of Rams closes in and forces Poholski out of bounds before he can win the football game. And in turn, they end up winning this football game as well as league being one of the only undefeated teams in the regular season. And it comes thanks to a huge comeback effort and goal line stand, two point stand even from the Rams here to win this football game as well as league. Definitely a historic moment, I think, for Green Mountain here uh, in these past few years. And honestly, one of the most vintage plays here where the buck stops here. You got Rams versus Cougars, and the Rams are the ones running the mountains in that 3A league. Whew, that was a good one. But, you know, for this one, we're not going to be as north. We are actually going to travel way down south here to the Battle of the Bell. Now, this game wasn't the craziest game here. Pueblo Central runs away with this one, especially after Pueblo Centennial's quarterback goes out. But context is everything. This is the oldest rivalry west of the Mississippi. These teams have played each other over a hundred times here, and they, you know, they don't like each other. These stands at Dutch Clark Stadium are packed. They're absolutely packed on both sides. Young, old, fresh, new historic all alike down on you know these stands we got alumni and we got you know the american rivalry series on the field we got uh, the bell of course it is the battle of the bell which is the trophy for this historic game and in this game i'd say that my favorite moment was when amari brown who don't get me wrong he came out of the gate very timid very jittery very shaky you know, this young sophomore running back here who had looked so poised all season came in and was bobbling tosses and was misreading lanes. And, you know, after one drive, settled down, settled down very, very well, and then took over this game, eventually going on to run for 186 yards as well as two touchdowns. But I think that the best moment that he had was on a trick play here he gets the ball and then he winds up and passes it down the field here for a wildcat touchdown amari brown on the day running for two throwing for one being named the mvp of the game but between him throwing that touchdown pass and as there's only about a minute and a half left and the defense is on the field he starts absolutely ringing the bell as the bell would ring blue this year for another year for Pueblo Central who tops the Bulldogs here thanks to a Herculean effort from Amari Brown who gets to ring the bell him ringing the bell had me so hyped he was getting the student section into it and you notice these moments you look at like Cola Crew and Amari Brown here. Not only are they dominating on the field, but they are getting the culture into it. They're getting the fan base into it, the students into it, and they are upholding those traditions as well, creating traditions. So Amari Brown's bell ringing is another moment for me so far. And you know, that is five of them, and we got five more down this stretch. And 
heading into this next game. This was a game that we had circled on our calendar before the season even started here between Roosevelt and Northridge, and the hype initially looked like it was there. Both of these teams were 6-0, some of the top you know, five teams in 3A football here. Roosevelt, obviously, on a revenge tour, on a tour of destiny here, and Northridge looking to prove that they belong to hang with the tough guys here. Now, the result of this game would not, you know, go Northridge's way here. But my favorite moment is Roosevelt is up 14 to nothing here in the second quarter. And then they hand off to Xavier Ramirez, who rips off a 45-yard rushing touchdown. A back-breaking touchdown here for the Rough Riders and give them a lead that they would never look back on. He gets a two-point conversion, and Roosevelt goes up 22-0 to zero, heading into half. And, you know, Northridge, they try and fight back here, but it was too little too late with this Rough Rider defense playing suffocating ball, eventually leading the team in rushing yards with that long of 45 yards, 126 on the night, and two rushing touchdowns. Zay was absolutely unstoppable, as he would be for the rest of the season here, advancing Roosevelt to being undefeated and giving Northridge their first loss of the season. Roosevelt making themselves a nice cushioned spot at the top of 3A at the time of that. Now, this next one here, I believe that this one is also an overlap here. Actually, it might not be. Uh, no, it, it was it was here with Coach V's Battle of the Ridges here. Look, I try not to overlap, but this game, it was freezing. <laughs> we were on the field for this game here. I could not feel my toes by the end of this game. My hands were rigid here, but the players came out. They played some great Colorado football, some smash mouth football interwoven with very back and forth game here. You know, Vista Ridge at one point being up 17 to 10 heading into the fourth quarter here. The Vista Ridge here, you know, playing a very smart game, playing a very efficient game here, running the ball very, very well, playing some tough defense. This was just a gritty, cold, shatter your bones level of, you know, frigid game here. But heading into the fourth quarter here, Palmer Ridge would not only tie this game, but one moment after another, you know, the first moment being Derek Hester's really long run here. You know, he rips off, shoot, it, it's, it's almost like a 50-yard run as he's literally running all across the field here. He gets inside of Vista Ridge's red zone here, but from there... You know, they get to the nine-yard line, and they hand it off to the guy who brought them back in this game, Nathaniel Gator Robinson, who rips, who come, who's running at us specifically. This angle is what makes this so epic, so legendary. They run left right at us where we're standing in the end zone, and he just explodes through the hole. No contact, no great walls, no fire and flames are going to stop Gator Robinson as he chomps up this yardage and ends up giving Palmer Ridge not only the go-ahead touchdown, 
but what would it go on to be the game winning touchdown in this game giving Palmer Ridge a perfect regular season beating Vista Ridge 24-17 securing Palmer Ridge to be the league champions securing Palmer Ridge to be the number one seed heading into the postseason Vista Ridge here unfortunately on the other hand of just a vintage 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 Palmer Ridge performance and more specifically a Gator Robinson moment of all time I will never forget the angle and the tenacity of him running through that hole and finishing off this football game now this really is a Colorado classic in this next game this game had probably almost a foot of snowfall during the game. I wish that I had looked at the forecast uh, so that I could know exactly how many inches of snow were there. But just for context, I was wearing, you know, snow pants. I was wearing a Bronco, you know, heavy coat here. And uh, if you look at our social medias, I did post it on there. But there was inches of snow building up on just my jacket alone. It was one of the most absurd games I've ever attended. High school, college, professional-wise. The weather was absolutely berserk. There were whiteout conditions at points during this game between George Washington and Frederick High School. Where it was snowing so hard under the lights that you could not see everything that was going on. And, you know, the footwork and just the grittiness of this football game was absurd. And it was an instant classic. Look, Frederick, they they ride some, some turnovers and some big plays into a lead heading into the fourth quarter. They're up 29 to only 20. They actually have a two-score lead before... I'd say that the big moment of this game is Marcellus Honeycutt Jr.'s kickoff return for a touchdown with five minutes to go to bring George Washington. They were down 27 to 36, but to bring them within 34 to 36 here before going on to that was the touchdown that brought it within striking distance and the GW. You know, defense gets the ball back and Marcellus Honeycutt Jr. rushes for another touchdown as George Washington would go on to win this absolutely frigid, blinding, cold game here against the Golden Eagles. And, you know, I'd say that the pass deflection to end this game is also a great moment. But the kickoff return, once the Patriots had that momentum, I did not like the odds of Frederick walking out of this game with a win. There were some controversial calls. It was an... <laughs> this game was like Pandora's box. You just never knew what was going to happen next, who was going to pull ahead, and who was going to end up clutching it. But George Washington here ends up beating Frederick 41-36. Marcellus Honeycutt Jr. definitely being the guy for this you know, matchup and uh, proving why he was one of the best players not only on this field not only on that g-dub squad not only on 3a but one of the best players in the state as he just takes over this game and that kickoff return they had golden eagles slipping and sliding all over the place shout out to the g-dub special teams unit that was also absolutely pancaking the snot out of this frederick team here as they would go on 
to get a W here. Now, that's my last regular season moment here. These last two moments are from the postseason. And this one is even from the second round here. As I went over to Shea Stadium on another very cold night. Uh, pretty pretty common theme here, right? Once you get into the uh, November part of Colorado football. But I go to this Arapaho versus Thunder Ridge game. My alma mater, the Arapaho Warriors here. They earned a bye and they eagerly awaited the Thunder Ridge Grizzlies who came off a win against Doherty. And in that game, freshman quarterback DJ Bordeaux got his very first start of the season and he played absolutely lights out in that game against Doherty. And then they would be back on this same field for the second week in a row here, facing off against a higher seeded Arapaho team that was treated as the home team. But I digress here. Look, this was a tough, tough football game. Arapaho running the rock very, very well, staying committed to the run, handing it off 35 times here. They're getting touchdowns. And this game is going very back and forth. But one difference between these two squads, between a junior quarterback and a freshman quarterback, here's DJ Bordeaux under the lights in a close football game. This is one of my favorite moments of the year. Not only does he hit Richard Okuno, Richard Okuno for one touchdown. Not only does he bomb it deep for a 40-yard touchdown pass, to Richard Okuno for another touchdown. But very specifically, in the red zone here, Thunder Ridge, they get a drop back. DJ doesn't like his first read. He rolls out a little bit, just scrambles a hair, and rifles in one of the best passes I've seen all season. He rifles this pass into triple coverage. Triple coverage. And this is a secondary that has the likes of Charlie Eckhart, who was in, you know, the Centennial League crowned first team or first team conference defensive back, right? You have athletes on this Arapaho Warriors secondary here, but DJ's throw to Richard Okuno, who is diving forward, makes an incredible grab. This is the quintessential needle, you know, threading a needle level throw. This was beyond a high school level throw it was beautiful to see i pull it up just to watch this throw sometimes this specific throw to richard okuno in that massive bundle of people here look there were many great moments in this game rapo they stormed a little bit of a comeback here they had some great running by alonzo ramirez there were some crazy turnovers going on in this game by both defenses it was absolutely freezing people were rushing into the locker room either way to get inside just because of how cold it was it had to be below 10 degrees i'm pretty sure for the majority of this game but dj bordeaux in the biggest game of his career in his second career start just shows great poise great moxie and great great velocity and timing as thunder ridge goes on to upset arapaho 23-17 to 17 and advanced to the third round of the playoffs. Getting that, you know, the Warriors kind of had the, the Grizzlies number last year, beating them both in the regular season and in the postseason in the second round here. This year, Thunder Ridge changing that narrative against Arapaho and getting a W on the heels 
of Bordeaux's brazy throws here. And uh, yeah, I think that's Bordeaux's brazy throw is what I'm calling that absolute rifle to Richard Okuno. And for my last moment here, this is an overlap with Gideon, just a little bit, but a different part, I'll say. Spoiler alert, but Cole LaCrue. This, I have so much respect for this athlete. Everything that he has gone through from transferring schools to what's what happened at, at a, the tragedy in his household to... You know, getting thrown in there his sophomore year at Broomfield and learning and breaking down his film back then, getting a chance to interview him back then as he was still perfecting his craft and learning and growing as a player. To the junior year where Broomfield was supposed to be a contender. We had them as a contender. Nine News had them, had them as a contender. And their season did not go the way they wanted the, it to. They ended up losing to Longmont twice last year. And... Things just went awry. His defense allowed a lot of points. But Cole stayed tough. Believed in his teammates. Believed in his coaches. Helped pilot Broomfield to an undefeated regular season. In the postseason, absolutely was stomping teams. En route to the semifinals against Erie, where a great team effort propelled the Eagles to state to face Loveland where Cola Crew would throw some dimes and run for some touchdowns, but no play jumps out to me here. My favorite moment, probably of this entire season, because of the personal connection that we have, Cola Crew being PMC fam, I'd love to get him on for another interview, you know, between his sophomore year and his senior year, that growth, obviously. You know, watching his, him commit to Wyoming, watching all of the hard work that he's put in, the blood, the sweat, the tears, throughout these past few seasons. It's one of the best stories to befall Colorado football is the Cola Crew story. And I'm so glad that I was witness to it and that we started around that time because as this clock winds down, as Broomfield wins state, and as he gets this trophy, he is completely overcome with emotions in the same stadium where he would watch football games and have you know, season tickets with his family. And just seeing his story come to a fairy tale level ending, in, at least in Colorado high school football, it was enough to choke me up. And I just can't express how proud of him I am. And you know, I got to talk to him at media day. I could tell that he was excited. He was telling me about how they used to have season tickets. Uh, we got to talking about CU a little bit because he grew up a huge CU fan. And uh, he told me that the first song that he ever knew all the words to here um, was was the CU fight song, the explicit version. I'm going to just leave it like that. And so, you know, just really down-to-earth kid who has grown so much. A kid at heart, but an adult in poise and posture and leadership and fire. The intensity of Cola Crew. I think that that all came to a very fitting conclusion on the high school level here for Cola Crew and the Broomfield Eagles for that state championship and him holding that trophy and just looking at it and realizing everything that he had accomplished and how much it meant to him and just how proud this entire state 
both present and not present, off the field, on the field, non-family and family alike. How special of a moment that was for Cole LaCrue. Oh, I'm not going to choke. I'm not going to cry now. I didn't cry when it happened. I'm not going to cry now. But that that's what football and sports are all about. Are those heart-jerking, tear-jerking moments. They pull out the heartstrings. And it was beautiful. The game of football, there's a lot of words associated with it. Violent, passionate, fast, aggressive beautiful is really those are the soul tapping moments and cola cruz story and being able to witness the closing of that chapter in his story but the closing of the chapter in colorado high school football of the cola cruz story was just inspiring and and beautiful and i i don't think i could say too much else on that and yeah no, the Cola Crew story. That was my top moment from this 2022 season. Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy New Year. Thank you all so much, PMC fam, for making this such a fantastic season to be a part of. There were many moments that I didn't get to talk about that were some of my favorite. You know, Coach V and I attending the longest night was a good one. Lyman and Ray, I figured with both Gideon and Simon talking about that, I could probably find something else here but you know these top 10 moments Regis beating Valor for the first time in basically a decade in overtime on one play from Xander Carroll Cola Crew getting his revenge at home for Broomfield against the Erie Tigers Northfield putting the Northfield notice after they showed up at DPS and obliterated Denver North Northfield a program to watch out for Green Mountain winning league in double OT thanks to a Ram wall here on the goal line. Amari Brown's footprint on the Battle of the Bell and his passing touchdown and him ringing the bell as a sophomore. Many great matchups to come. Many vintage performances for Amari Brown to come in that Battle of the Bell. Xavier Ramirez's back-breaking bear trap run against the Grizzlies here for those Rough Riders to punch Roosevelt as the true threat in 3A as that would come true. Gator, Robinson, and Derek Hester here coming back against Vista Ridge in the Battle of the Ridge and Palmer Ridge takes away the victory. Frederick and George Washington for league at DPS in the blizzarding snow shoveling the field at halftime kind of in between quarters no space heater was enough to stop no space heater was going to outshine i should say marcellus honeycutt who was so on fire you'd think that steam was coming off the field from where he was playing dj bordeaux brazy throw to richard okuno in that win over arapahoe the first of many great DJ Bordeaux moments to come in Colorado football. And last, but not least, Cola Cruz storybook ending. The Cola Cruz story at mile high with that 4A state championship win. So well deserved. Shout out to all those teams. Shout out to all of our fans. Shout out to PMC fam. Ah, I already can't wait for next year. 
But thank you for rocking with us. Plenty of more great content up ahead. Love you all, PMC fam. This this episode got me feeling some kind of way, some kind of grateful way. And yeah, I love this game. I love this cult. I, I love Colorado. There's still things to be improved on, but I love to be a part of it. Thank you all so much. Cody Stoffer signing off on Top Moments. All right, and that'll wrap up this episode of the Playmakers Corner podcast. If you want to show us some love, go ahead and follow us on social media, like our stuff, show us some love there, at Playmakers Corner on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. On top of that, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel and our Twitch channel at Playmakers Corner on both. Um, Special announcement here for this Christmas day. All of the interviews that we have done to date are now uploaded to YouTube and are in a little playlist there. We've interviewed many great football players from the state of Colorado and all over the country. Just to name a few, we interviewed Joshua Bates. Uh, He's a three-star, just committed a couple days ago. He's going to Oklahoma now. Uh, We interviewed both Braden Dorman and Cole LaCrue after their sophomore season, so that's a nice little throwback there before, uh, you know, they got big and all that great stuff. Uh, Even going farther back, we interviewed uh, four-star defensive end Arden Walker of Cherry Creek, uh, Chase Penry of three-star who went to CU and is now at uh, Boise State, and then some of our out-of-state guys. I mean, we interviewed Rod Green. He's a big old lineman from Ohio, and he originally committed to Grambling State before transferring to Tennessee State. He gives great insight on HBCUs and that whole process, uh, recruiting process, and how it was playing at an HBCU as well. And then on top of that, we have a bunch of fantastic women's football players, women's flag football players here that we got to interview that are now playing or mostly playing on the next level. Uh, Some of those uh, players include Kenzie Murdoch. She is a team captain for Cotty College right now. We got to interview her coming out of high school. Um, Super smart player a fantastic person we still keep up with her to this day she's going into her second season um as a captain only a sophomore by the way and then we also got Haley stanton a fantastic quarterback out of florida who went to midland but is now transferring to florida memorial so she'll be doing her thing over there and then um we got plenty of other stars like leah cruz who went viral on espn i believe we're like the only people who actually got to interview her in full uh that interview happened basically a couple weeks after her thing went viral there devin silvestri who was a women's flag football player of the year not just in florida but in the entire country um on top of that brenna ramirez another one of those girls who was a women's flag football player of the year and many more caitlin sigmundy emma blocka want to shout them out real quick deja fanning savannah cox just so many talented football players um both male and female that we've gone to cover and interview here and so i encourage you to check that out there if you also click on the video there will be links to those episodes or where you could find those episodes as well which does include spotify apple podcast uh if you're on either we really appreciate reviews so go ahead and rate us there uh and you know i believe you could drop a review on apple podcast so do that as well but you know what thank you so much for rocking with us we hope you all have a great holidays a great merry christmas uh i guess it's just a great christmas (laughs) and all that great stuff here 
tune in to our top five seniors uh, at each position group. We've been releasing those. I believe safety's just released uh, a couple days ago. And then coming up here later this week, we have more holiday surprises i will be releasing a film breakdown just me of uh, some of my favorite prospects here upcoming prospects some guys some athletes that are a little under the radar but you know are gonna turn up here uh this, these next couple years not just this next season so there you go but once again thank you so much for rocking with us and we will catch you later